Okay, back here in studio with uh, Lieutenant Governor Nancy Dahlstrom. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's been about uh, not quite a week, what, Monday, right? So, Right, so this is really my, I've had three full days in the office and getting acclimated and meeting people and just, you know, every, every minute's been new so far. So, so, so since the swearing in on Monday, you were elect, you know, elected about a month ago. Um, now you're sworn in. Is it at all different? I mean, well, it feels feel a little different. It, it feels a little bit different in that I, I feel the weight of the responsibility and I meet, I'm, you know, meeting people all over the place that contribute to our great state. So, I mean, that, that part is awesome. And I love that. Can you still drive? How does this work? I know the governor, they have like a security, but I know Kevin Meyer would kind of well, I, I can drive. You know, I, w- I went to this conference and I found out Alaska is one of a few states where the lieutenant governors don't have any security. And some of these lieutenant governors were traveling with three and four armed. Like an entourage? Armed people. And then they had their staff. But I think Alaskans, we're so different. We're so normal in so many ways. You know, we don't do a lot of the pretenses mm-hmm. and everything. So I fully expect that everything's going to be fine. Although it would be really convenient to have somebody give you a ride all the time, I think. But you know what? That's a role for my husband now. Yeah, the, so yeah, the, I think when you, when I was leaving the arena, you were with your husband, right? Yes. I, I, at first I thought, cause it was like a black. Right. A black. I, thought, I thought you were getting like the, uh, you know, the security. Right. Car, no, but it was your husband. that was my car. That was my car. So, but it is interesting. People have thought it's a it looks very much like a the trooper security. DF. Yes, like <laughs> no license plate or you know, the XYZ. No, it did have it did have no, a it license. No, I'm, just, okay. I'm just one of those. I don't want anybody to think that I'm trying to pull one. Or I did something. have a plate. Yeah, I yeah, verified yeah. that. So uh, before we get into some other stuff, I want to ask real quick. There's been just two recounts on this uh, Senate District E, the Kathy Geisel race, and then the House District 15, the Tom McKay, the yeah. pretty close race there. Um, so are you kind of now because th- those were in the last couple of days? Are you? Overseeing, I mean, I know Gail Fanumiai is, but are you involved there? Or are you kind of just letting the thing wrap up? So I'm, I'm kind of letting it wrap up. I know everything was set up and in place. Uh, Josh Appleby, chief of staff, is still, you know, working on that. Of course, Kevin finished his his time, and I should say, Lieutenant Governor Kevin Meyer finished his official time and is now hopefully enjoying retirement and life. But uh, I hear the results. There was nothing that was questioned in the results. Yeah, nothing, nothing, I don't think anything changed at all. Nothing, nothing popped up. So, and, and I'm happy about that. I'll tell you that 20 years ago, I had an experience with division of election where um, we didn't, the votes were just close enough that they recounted. And everybody on my team that, that saw it, everybody said, you have not a thing to worry about. They do such an excellent job. And yeah, so the state will recount, they'll pay for it if it's within a half a percent or right. like 20 votes or something, which... Happens, you know, sometimes. It, it does happen. You know, it's such an w- interesting thing in our state. I think it was the first year that I served. Um, Bryce Edgman had won his seat. He used to be a, a staffer to uh, Carl, and I'm forgetting his last Moses, name. Moses, I think. Carl Moses yeah. from Unalaska, from that, Dutch Harbor. That was the coin flip race. And they t- they counted three times. And but it tied every time, and then they did the coin flip, and, and Bryce won. I think the statute says for that kind of deciding if it's a tie it's a I think they say game of lot or something so I think 
they use the coin flip, but if it was me, like when the bond, remember four years mm-hmm. ago when it was really close and it was one vote, right? But it was t- it was tied for a second. I was saying they should have done the Carlson Center. Each person should have gotten some dice. They could have had a couple rounds of roll, you know, <laughs> like really, really, you know, get like an arena type event. Have a have an have an announcer, right? Well, you know, you could do that. You could make make some money off it and give it to a good charity or something. But oh, yeah. probably that would play into the integrity of our election. So, and that is probably, the number yeah. one. No, no one took one. my no one took my uh, ideas too seriously. But I, I offered to <laughs> host the MC at no charge. Well, I think all of this just goes to show how every vote counts. Every single mm-hmm. vote counts. And, you know, some of these, I've, I've seen situations where somebody won by two votes. Or, well, LeBon was one vote yes. in, in 2018. Yes. Um, and then now this with McKay, with his, it's that, ranked choice, so it's a little bit, you know, they re- retabulate the votes, but it's it was, I think it might have went to nine, but it was four, and then a few more ballots came in. It was, it was seven. four, and then it went to seven, and then... I don't know if it shook out at nine. I think it might have sh- finished at, at nine. But what, what I've always, I've run a couple times. And I've never I've never mm-hmm. won. But I've luckily I've always lost by kind of a lot. So what I've always I don't care if I lose by a lot. If I were to lose by like three or four or five, that's like one day of maybe door to door. That's like <laughs> that's like one more day of phone calls. Well, like you, you can never get over like not having your people come to the right polls a handful of people right. And I think you just hit on something that's key for anybody that's running election or you know, contemplate it, even, even being involved in this, you need to move forward every single day of your election knowing you've given it 110% mm. because when it's over, like you said, if we lose by a small margin, if you can say, I gave it my best, I did it, then okay, you move forward, right? But otherwise, it would be hard to live with yourself, wouldn't it, if it was that, that Oh, type. I couldn't imagine, like that Catherine Dodge lady. One, I mean, that's that's literally like your your friend didn't vote for you or something. Right. And I'm sure she probably has a couple of friends, acquaintances, maybe relatives that are that didn't make it to the voting oh, yeah, poll. And sure. they're never gonna own up because they could have made the difference. So so let's talk a little bit. You were in the legislature for how many years before? Eight years. In from Eagle River. Yes. And then you were out. Yes. And then you actually ran in twenty eight during that Lebon year, you right. ran, you ran in that race and you won. I won. And you were gonna be a rep from Eagle River again. Yes. And then the governor, I guess, offered some, somehow you got you got you became corrections commissioner. So the reason I decided to run again for this a second go around was because I was so concerned about what's ha- been was happening in our state with public safety. I mean, crime was going crazy everywhere you turned around. Stuff was happening, and it was hitting pretty close to home. And I said, you know what? I think I can do something about this. I mean, not that one person can can change it, but boy, I had a voice. I could use that voice. I could donate my time and my commitment to, you know, wanting this place to be better. And I said, I'm willing to do that and put my money where my mouth is. So that's why I ran again. And public safety was going to be my number one, you know, priority. And so in that process also, I served with uh, several really fan, well, a couple dozen really fantastic community people that were involved in a group that were looking at what was happening in different When you areas. were in legislature or this last? No, this is this last go around. Okay. When I, they were looking at what was happening in the community and, and around the state with crime and what are things that were happening within, for example, public safety or Department of Corrections now and what are ways we think that we could improve, could improve them. So I've been involved in putting together a bunch of ideas and everything. The plan was to give that to the governor and say, okay, here you go. This is stuff that we think would be beneficial for you. 
Well, I, you know, I never did ask him if you read that. That's interesting now that I think about it. Yeah, you should. I, <laughs> he probably gets a lot you, of stuff. Did you, because he does get a lot of stuff, and he has trusted advisors and people that really help with a lot of that. But after that process, it was on election night that he asked me if I would strongly consider being the commissioner of corrections. I was surprised because it's not something that I had... I wasn't anticipating, I, you know, anything. I, it wasn't even on... Did you feel like, you know, all these people just voted for you and... I did. You, know, you kind of put, you know, you spent all this time in this race and then if you stepped down, then it might... I did think about that and I thought about that long and hard. And the thing that finally, for me, pushed me over the line and wanting to say, I, I did want to work with the governor on this and I did feel that there was a good team in place and I could bring an even stronger team in place Um in Department of Corrections, but it was the fact that I knew the governor would appoint somebody who was as concerned about public safety as I was. Mm-hmm. And the, that was a conversation I had with the governor briefly. And he didn't make any promises to me. Just I knew where he stood on public safety. He knew where I stood. And so, and it proved to be true. The person that was um, elected was strong, strong public safety. It was interesting too, because then you took that job and then they Appointed, he appointed Sharon Jackson, but then the House, like like right now, they still haven't organized, and right. probably, unless something crazy happens, they probably won't be organized by the time session starts. And then she couldn't, because they hadn't been organized, she couldn't get sat, seated, and then they had that, that was like one of my first big stories right. in Juno. They had that weird kind of David Eastman, Josh Revac went across to the courthouse and tried to swear her in. Right. And I, it like blew up into this big, like everything, like that's what happens, and what I learned in Juno, when some event like that happens, everything stops. Like everything just kind of stops right? because it was so kind of crazy. Right. There's a whole lot of hurry up and wait when stuff like that happens. Mm-hmm. But it's, I remember when, when that did, did occur and they, I, you know, of course I read about them walking across the street cause I wasn't, wasn't there that week. Um, and, and I thought, what are they doing? What's going on? So, but it was so crazy. You know, I wasn't privy to any of that. Um, might not have been the way I would have handled it had it been me, but you I, know, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Think you'd be? Let's go to the courthouse. And no. what I felt bad for was the poor guy, the clerk, or whoever was next, because like they'll notarize, so they'll right. do anything. And and then I, as a kind of a joke, I tried to almost help the help the courthouse out. I got I went over and I had a piece of paper. I printed off a piece of paper <laughs> said I Jeff Landfield certify that I am the king of Alaska, and I wanted them to notarize it. And then I didn't know Nancy Mead at the time, but then they they were like at that point they were kind of freaked out because right. of the negative like attention and. Everything was, it was all over the place. Right. So then Nancy comes down and says, what are you, what are you, like, can I help you? And I said, oh, I'm just trying to like prove a point here. And she's like, can you just leave, please? Like, this is, you're not helping. <laughs> <laughs> Having worked with Nancy before, I knew so she's always been straightforward oh, yeah, and to no, the she's point. Great. She's, I like, we're friends and, and she, yes. I've known her like for years and, yep. you know, but she was just, you know, like, they're like, just stop, just please leave the courthouse. <laughs> <laughs> so I never got my certification that I'm the king of. Alaska. So just you're um, unofficially in your own mind, I'm the still, king of Alaska, uh, yes, right? Yeah. Am I, am I, exactly. <laughs> what do they say? Legend in your own mind? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, so you were corrections commissioner for f- four years and then now we have this new system, mm-hmm. this kind of open primary rank choice, but it also changes. And, and the one thing I'm not a big, you know, it works. And I think most people kind of understood it in the end, but um, I'm not a big fan of it. I think it's a little bit Kind of complicated, a little tricky, a little tricky, tricky, but it's you know it is what it is. But the one thing I really like about it, and I've actually for a long time said the governor should pick lieutenant governor because oftentimes you get in these weird arranged marriage situations where remember with uh, Parnell and me they got into it and there was some letter that got leaked and yes. Parnell was like stay in your lane. Remember that? Yes. So this happens over 
throughout history. So now the governor picks, and when he announced your name, a lot of people had, myself included, had speculated. Mm-hmm. So I guess, how did that come about? And, and were you like an immediate yes? Or did you have, like when you took the corrections job, did you have to think about it? Well, and, and to clarify, I didn't think too awful long on the corrections job because I knew I could do well for the governor and for the state mm-hmm. in, in that position. Uh, I, we, he and I had a, a phone conversation. It was very good. And you take the fact that we'd already worked together for the four years before that, right? So I had already seen the governor's style of working. He saw my style of working. We know each other's style of communication. Um, uh, I know him to be true to his word. I know him to back up what he's always, you know, said he was going to do with my department. And so, all, you know, all those things weren't, I didn't have to ask questions that maybe somebody else that hadn't worked that closely with him might have had to mm. ask. Um so really, it, I, I told him I was interested, but I would like to talk to my husband out of respect to my husband. And of course, he said, absolutely, you absolutely do that. And then we talked again and um, I told him, you know, yes, um, we waited till he felt it was the appropriate time to announce um, and then when it we, was pretty, I think it was like May, wasn't it? It was a little bit, it was end of session. Cause every, everybody was kind of like, what's, you know, cause June 1st was the deadline right. and I think Walker had picked Heidi Dragas right away. That was a year prior. And then I, less I think of, less it might've been May 26th or so. I mean, it's something in that last it was, week. It was, it was right towards the, mm-hmm. and then Les Garrett had, he was by himself for a while and then he picked mm-hmm. that Jessica Cook later, mm-hmm. but it was, it was, we were all kind of, everybody was speculating. There was, but you, you were one of the ones that I think, I mean, you can't really keep secrets in the state can you it's pretty hard i can keep a secret so i actually saw him it's funny i was on i was in fairbanks for some reason oh it was the republican convention i went to go to that to kind of see what was remember the pale right, and baggage right. and the whole in the debate and by the way they wouldn't let me in they escorted me out the republican th- uh and brownheader thugs escort me out of the room was, but then somebody called me from inside the room and then i was just listening to the whole thing anyways. so you heard the whole thing oh yeah i mean it's just ridiculous but Anyways, I was flying back from Fairbanks, and it was a pretty, you know, it was like late afternoon on a Saturday, and the flight wasn't very full, so I got upgraded to first class. So it's me, uh, I think Ken, one of the governor's guards, mm-hmm. troopers, yes. and then the other the other guy, what's the, the head guy, I forget his name. Bob? Bob, and then the governor. So mm-hmm. we were like right, I mean, literally like right in this little, these within these four seats. And then we landed, and, and this is April. Right. And... There was some issue with the gate, you know, the the sky, the what's it called, the little sky bridge thing. Wouldn't, oh, wouldn't, where they come out, yeah. Extends that, what's out. that thing called? The jet, I know jetway doing. wasn't jetway. opening, and so we had like I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And I was like, "So who are you picking?" And he was like, "Well, who do you?" And I was like, "I think Nancy Dahlstrom." But I was like, "I have no idea." But he, but the the the, the you know trooper guys were kind of like, "Man, we can't we can't do anything." <laughs> like, <laughs> I had him, you know. So it was pretty funny. We were trying to. Figure, I was talking to him, but yeah. We what did like, he say? He wouldn't say anything. He, he just like, he's like, what do you think? And I was like, I think Nancy Dahlstrom. Because by that point, that was kind of out there. But there were some other names, too. I'm trying to remember who else. I mean, there was a handful of people they were, I guess, speculating on. I think there's a lot of really great people in our state who would have definitely stepped up, you know, to the challenge and been win- willing to serve. Um, as in any decision when you're picking a running mate, you, you got to just look at a whole bunch of different things and, um, he he made the decision he's comfortable with, and I'm comfortable serving with him. So I'm I'm happy about that. So so just like Kevin Meyer, you were in the legislature. Yes. So you you have that. It, yep. It's, it's kind of too bad, you know. In the Congress, the the vice president's the president of the Senate. We don't you don't you don't get that here with the Senate. You don't get right. That. 
Senate president thing, but but you do have that experience in the legislature, and I guess that probably will come in handy, especially when I think it'll come in handy, and and also maybe I can help people that need to learn how important it is to you know work across party lines and that we were Alaskans first and remember you know don't forget that we all need to to work together it's a pretty small state when people burn bridges when you were in there that was at the time when there was some pretty large house majorities right mm-hmm, a super majority 30 people so we haven't seen that for like at least six years well you know the more a supermajority can be really expensive too because a lot of people come into it wanting something mm-hmm. out of it for their district. And, you know, good on them that they want to take something back or, um, you know, Im- improvements and stuff. But we're also at a time, I mean, oil prices are a little not what uh, they were. 74 yesterday, right? which is. So we have to weigh all that and we, we need to not spend with, you know, out of our means. We need to be, we need to be smart. Well, this last you know session, the you know, Putin invades Ukraine. The price goes up to one hundred and fifteen, one hundred and twenty, and the money started to you know flow in, and then the big dividend got paid, and then the big capital, you know, the ports in Nome, the ports in Anchorage. Um, I mean, there was this no kind of no binding thing in the Senate, so they they sh- right. they shut up the budget like a billion dollars <laughs> on the floor. Right. Is- you know, I'll tell you something interesting, Jeff. My first year that I served in two thousand and three. Uh, do you remember what oil was then? Uh, lo- uh, low. $10. Yeah, low. $10. And I remember Governor Murkowski coming into a, um, a caucus meeting with us. I, I was in the majority, and, and we were literally laid out some of the things we were going to need to look at and do because $10? I mean, now I. That, it was, well, that was back in the end of nine, like the late 90s, early 2000s. There was this fis- fiscal policy caucus that Andrew Halker mm-hmm. gave me. I have a copy of it. It's this binder, and it's like. He was on, and Murkowski was on, and right. a bunch of other. It was like twenty. It was kind of like this little, little similar to this working group they did last right. couple of years ago. And if you if you take the dates out, it's basically the same recommendations. You know, look at a broad-based tax, sales tax, restructure the dividend. I mean, it's the exact same recommendations because there's really only so many levers <clears throat> that exist. Right. We need there's, to look at all of those. There's spending. Things. There's revenue. <coughs> um, there's me. a permanent fund, and that's pretty much you know that's pretty much it. We have the things that are mandated by, by law, I mean, by, by the Constitution that we need to provide. And even so, we need to look at how we're providing those things. I mean, it just doesn't mean that there's, you know, carte blanche, everything for public safety or everything for education or everything. We, we've, we have to do a good balancing act. I mean, you look at right now, this, you know, school district in Anchorage is a big deficit, which I think is odd. They're facing a deficit when they've actually over the years lost students and other wanting to maybe close a few schools, which won't even save that much money. Um, but if you talk to certain people, and I'm, I'm, I think everybody's pro-education, but right. I'm also pro kind of value. And, and it's some people you talk to them, and it's just, it's, it's never enough. Right. I mean, any, it, it just, it, they're never going to say that's enough money, which, which, like I said, I think you need to see what you're getting, you know, when you look at outcomes and, you know, reading scores, right, you know, all these different testing, we're not, we're not really getting a lot of, I think, enough value. I would agree with you on that. And, you know, even even like the school closure that you brought up for an example, um, my understanding is after learning a little bit more, they wouldn't just be closing those schools. They're talking about reinventing them, turning them into something else. Say a charter school that's meeting somewhere else would then move into that mm-hmm. school. You know, maybe we could look at ways of combining. Is there Are the classes that could be combined? Can we have one wing of the school be a charter school and something? I mean, 
there's got to be a lot of ways. And I've heard the governor say talk about the situation with the school districts and and say, you know, it's a budgeting issue. Um, and he well, speaks with experience from having worked with school districts for 25 years. So I, I put a little weight into that. Well, I think it's 53 or 54 school districts. And, you know, the edu- and people always say cut the budget and people kind of, it's almost like just a repeated talking point. But but when you look at the budget, you know, 60% is education, healthcare. And then most people, when they ask for an example, nobody wants to say, well, let's cut education or let's cut healthcare. So it's really a conundrum. But I think this next session, if the price of oil stays, I mean, right now it's still averaging enough to pay for things without a deficit. But if it stays in the 70s, we're only not even halfway through the fiscal year. Right. Well, I, th- I agree with you. I think it's going to be front and center. It's going to be a hot issue. And the more people involved as far as sharing their opinion and, I mean, whether it's school administrators, parents, everybody needs to really get involved. Uh, but I also really agree with you that we look, need to look at the results. Mm-hmm. That's really, Spending yeah. money is not just the Everything in our, in our lives, we always look at how much am I spending, what am I getting out of the money I'm spending. Right. And I think sometimes even when you... To some people, at least when you ask that, it's like you're you're questioning the money. No, you're questioning the res- results, right, or the outcomes, right. And then you know sometimes let's work backwards. This is the outcome. This is what we spend. This is what we're what we're getting out of it. Let's work backwards. All the steps. What do we need to do? How do we? How can we restart some of those things to mm-hmm. get the results that we need? When you were in the legislature before, it was I moved here in '04, so I'm not as familiar, but. I feel like there was probably back then a little bit less turnover each year. There was a lot of kind of people that stuck around. And now we have the situation where the last several years, this year included, there's a huge amount of turnover in the, I mean, the Senate usually has maybe one or two new members every two years. Now it's, I think we're at like six or seven new members in the Senate because some people are, you know, not running for reelection. And in the House, there's almost a 50% turnover. Right. Huge. I mean, of course there was, there was, turnover but you're right it wasn't it wasn't like it is now and um i think some of that's because people there's a high level of frustration uh i mean we do have legitimate challenges and opportunities in this state that we they can't be ignored you know i've heard stories from people serving in the legislature way back when there wasn't any problems because you just give that district a million dollars Oh, you want the, oh, okay, great. Everybody could get along in a different way, you know, but. Well, I, I remember some, well, I wasn't there, but some staffers told me that in 2000, kind of nine, eight, nine, when the price of oil really shot up, mm-hmm. uh, one session, the revenue for the spring revenue forecast had come out and, and it just showed a huge windfall of money that wasn't projected. And they said people literally ran down to like the triangle and said, get back to the capital. Every district has another million dollars. Yeah. I've heard that story too. You know, no. just like get back here, and the people are putting in the budget like to be de- you know, X project, you know, to be determined. <laughs> but they had a set number, didn't they? They knew how many million to be determined. Yeah, they knew. And then there, there was even some stories I've heard about somebody calls up to an office and they the legislator's not available and take a message, and it's like this person from this you know group called and they wanted fifty whatever, and they wrote it down as like a note, and then like somehow it ended up in the budget, like some you know fifty thousand to be determined. Because there was so much money then, you know, at that time period. There was just a big, and we they saved a lot, but then the, the problem is they spent most of the savings now. Right, and I mean, I think it made, I think it made life in Juneau a little bit easier, easier, but you and I both know easy isn't always the best. I mean, try to use money to solve personal problems. That'll 
be a cover up for a little mm-hmm. bit and then it's all going to explode, right? And that's what we have going on. We we can't, we have to be smart with every dollar that we spend. So uh, recently, Gail Fanuma, she announced she's retiring, which I think was out there for, I, I kind of knew about that a few weeks ago, but it just became a kind of story. So it's now it's out there. Uh, you're in charge of elections. Do you have somebody in mind or how, are you going to do a search or what's what's the... I do not have somebody in mind. I'm not available. You're not. Oh, Sorry. dang it. I was going to talk to you after. <laughs> Come on. Um, I know that, I, I, I should say I know, I'm hearing that there's some very qualified people that are, are interested. I'm looking forward to talking with them. Um, but there's there's no, you know, heir apparent right now, you know, sitting there. And when she made that decision and decided to retire, I, I mean, I wish her the best. She put in almost 20 years in division of elections. Yeah, She's she was worked. there for a long time. And then Walker uh, put in Josie Banky for four years. Mm-hmm. And then she got brought back after... Dunleavy won. So she was there for a while, long time, and then she took kind of a break and then came back. Right. She did a lot of years there. And what I know is what I've seen of the people in Division of Elections is that they're very hardworking. They're committed. They're dedicated. You know, every time I ran for office, I went to the um, Midtown office in Anchorage, and that's where I filed my paperwork. And so I feel more at home in that office mm-hmm. than some of the others. It was always an incredible experience. Never once did I ever... There was no mistakes on their part. A mistake was on my part, leaving some blank or whatever. But they were always there to make, you know, make sure everything was done correctly. And I, I just, I feel confident that there's the, we'll all, I'll have the right person and we'll get them in, in that position. And ultimately, as head of election, you, 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 you choose who, who, who goes and they don't need to be con- confirmed or anything. That's just somebody you, you choose to. Correct. I choose and no, they don't need to be confirmed. So with with the, we have a new voting system. Mm-hmm. Um, there's already been some talk from certain people about kind of trying to repeal, which I don't know if, it, if it's going to go anywhere. It's going to cost a lot of money. I mean, it's, it would cost millions of dollars, and the other side's going to obviously fight it. Right. But you know, there, there's a new system, and there's going to be an election. You know, in two years, so it's it's going to. It sounds like a long way away, but it'll, it'll be here before we know it. Right. Are you? Um, I guess what what are your? How are you? preparing for that and with this new system. And then there's probably going to be like right now, nationally, we have there's like election deniers still, and that's the thing. And everybody's really focused on elections. And then this last time we saw, and we saw it with COVID too, with all the vote by mail, but these absentee ballots mm-hmm. that, that trickle in. And I think we understand why there's military, but other States like Florida, you have to have the absentee ballots due by the election day. So they pretty much have the results the day of or the next day. Right. So I guess it's a big question, but all these things are going to be happening. I think there's going to be a lot of focus on elections here. Right. And elections, I mean, we need to focus on it. It's critical. And having integrity there is it's my number one priority. I will tell you that uh, the Alaska legislature has the authority to change the timeline that we wait for ballots to come in. So mm-hmm. they can do that. They can change it. They could make it uh, voting in that day. They could make it a week. They could make it two weeks. They could make it three weeks. That is up to the legislature to determine that. And then division of elections will enforce that. When ranked choice voting went in, I don't, I I know there was confusion on some other things um, with folks. Maybe people thought that that two week waiting period went away. It didn't. It's, it's in statute. So if, if the legislature had say had a special meeting gone in and changed that, then division of elections would abided by whatever it was. They don't, they don't make policy. This last legislature, there was 
Senator Shower and there was uh, Chris, Representative Tuck, and there were a few others. There was a, a Chris bill. Tompkins Chris Tompkins. And... There was different, you know, there was a, mm-hmm. an attempt to do some stuff, and it never, it got some hearings, and at the end there was kind of an attempt to try to maybe make some things happen, and that it, it ultimately didn't go through. But I think there's, I mean, I know there's going to be some other bills with election, you know, reform. Probably there's going to be a repeal, ranked choice, voting, which I don't think will get much traction in the legislature, but... Um, I guess what would you what, if if you had the magic wand? What what would you want to see happen? Well, if I have a magic wand to wave, then all these bills that I'm hearing are going to be introduced. Um, we'll have fair and timely hearings, and people can make a decision. And whatever the legislature decides will be put into place, but it won't be a last minute thing. In my perfect world, that because that way we can be prepared for it. Which, which that's a good point. You know, if they would have done that. Let's say if they were to pass some big change in April or May, I mean that only gives a few months right. to the primary, right? Which, which is that's a good point. I mean, you, you need more time to prepare for these things. I think time can be really critical. I know the governor had a bill that was introduced last time. It didn't. Have, I don't even think it had any hearings. To tell you the truth, it yeah. Got- he, he, well, for a minute, he had a big a press conference. There was a whole thing about the, and then there was, but it really just kind of didn't really go anywhere. I mean, there was other bills that were right. heard, but it kind of just. Stalled out till the end. And then there was also the lim- the donation limits bill. They tried to jam right. a bunch of things into one bill because one bill had passed the House. It was in the Senate. They tried to throw a bunch of stuff in there. and then th- But it was, I was in the room. It was literally like 11.15. They were, they were done at midnight. They were trying to like write amendments. and I was watching from the comfort of my own home and you were in the room. So we both saw different angles of the same thing happening. But the emotions got pretty high on that last night. And it just tends to happen, so it's all the more reason not to the wait to the very end. There was like a moment where, and you've been in these situations, and I was just happened to be in the room and I was in the gallery. There was a moment where I really thought it was like a critical mass where it was going to happen. I mean, everybody was. It was you could tell there was like a, 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 a there was the will to do it, mm-hmm. but then at some point it just it just it was a combination of time and then just not you know not enough time. And then disagreements, and then everything kind of just collapsed. And when it collapsed, you just it just stopped. It like did. you thought right. it was going to happen, and then it just collapsed, and everything just ended. Right. Well, and I want to talk on one thing you just said. You're right. When you're in the room, I mean, the air is like palpable. I mean, you you can tell when things are happening. Mm-hmm. You can walk into the chambers and sit in the gallery, uh, and and you can feel it. You look at people's faces, watch eye contact, those things. Um, and, you know, all that last minute stuff, that's all the more reason why relationships are important and why people need to have not made things personal, work across party lines with people, ag- agree, disagree. I mean, maybe even vehemently disagree, but don't make it personal. Well, and, and unfortunately, it, it has in many cases, especially in the last four years in the Senate, you know, it's gotten personal with certain people. And, and then it's to the point where even if somebody maybe agrees with you on some policy that's gotten it's gotten so so nasty with with between a few people they won't even work together on something they you know agree with right and hopefully when this new legislature comes in hopefully we can have a a fresh starting point for that i'd love it if everybody as adults went home and had some time to have thought about it and Mm -hmm. what what could we do better i mean just let's just makes a whole state more successful the the senate's gonna i mean i i've kind of recently said the Senate's going to be, I think, a lot more. I mean, the last four years, it's been this kind of 
majority, but then there's a, there's the real majority, which is kind of half the majority plus some of the Democrats. But now they have this big 17-member. But then the House, I think, is going to be a little bit more interesting because the last four several years, the House has had these really narrow one-member majorities, and it's gotten really contentious, but they've kind of, at the end of the day, they've they've made it happen. Mm-hmm. But now whatever happens, there's going to be a big minority, and it's really hard to even say how this thing you know forms with it being so close to Republicans and kind of Democrats' independents. Well, uh, several of the folks who have been there, you know, for re- repeated terms, that they they know who they can work with, and and um, hopefully they might find ways to open their heart and give people new opportunities. Maybe if they haven't performed so well in the past, as far as being open to new ideas, you know. Mm-hmm. I and when I say open to new ideas, I don't mean sell out. Don't sell your principles. Don't. Don't, don't, don't do something that's morally against how you feel, but just, we should just consider how we present where we stand and, and find ways. There's always, I think for for some people, unfortunately in politics, and it could be Democrat, Republican, it could be all over the the map. You have some of these kind of zealots where, you know, 90% is a failing grade. Right. And and if if you can get with somebody and come to, you know, 80% agreement on something, that's a, that's a, that's usually pretty good. That's excellent. And, you know, successful people I've watched, uh, they the most important thing to them isn't that it's their name that's the sponsor of the bill. What's that saying? You can get a lot done if you don't care who takes credit or gets credit? Right. It's it's true. So so in, in Eagle River, for example, you have a couple like Dan Sadler. He's coming back. And yes. then also Craig Johnson. So you do have some new people, but they're not really new. I mean, they're new to the legislature. Right. But they were served before for a long time. So there's a few of them that are you know, coming back, coming coming off the bench. Right. They're not going to have to be wondering where the bathrooms are in the Capitol, right? They know where they are. They know where, they know which um, floors, you know, have which offices, those types of things. But And hopefully, I, I think both of those guys, for example, will use their experience. They know how to chair meetings. They can be very beneficial. They know how, you know, floor procedure. They, they, they know what's appropriate, not appropriate legislative behavior. And they can set an example. Yeah, when I, I first came down to you know, for the full session it was 2019, and I had been down there, you know, like everybody for a couple of days, walking to the Capitol. You're like, oh my gosh, this is great. But then when you spend some time there, it took me probably a, a, a set one session mm-hmm. to really just get my kind of almost bearings, right? Like where what room is what, what's going on, how to go to you know go to the website and figure out what meetings right. are important, you know. And then my second one was. 20, which ended up being COVID. So it was kind of cut short, but I used to always, when I run for office before, I'd have this like, you know, we need to get rid of everybody. It's all mess, just new people, get all new people. But I've come to really change my mind on that. I I think it should almost be a requirement that people spend a month or, you know, a few weeks in in Juneau, really a session, because if you don't have any experience, what I think, what I, I know happens is somebody sees a new person, they, they get their hooks into them. Maybe it's a lobbyist, maybe it's a former fellow legislator. And then they just, they have no bearing. So they just listen to whoever this person is. It's really hard to get, you know, maintain independence. You know, it's, it can be really hard to know who to listen to. And I think hopefully people have a strong um, moral compass and will listen to the, their gut mm-hmm. and know, I mean, you know, I have lots of good friends who are lobbyists, and that's how they make their living, and they do a fantastic job at it. But they knew when they were presenting items to me. I mean, I, I, in the end, I go back, I represented the people that voted me into that position. 
And so, yes, you want a great working relationship with lobbyists and with everybody there. Well, it's like anything. If, if somebody, if, if a person, not just a lobbyist, but anybody in life identifies somebody as kind of weak or very very, very vulnerable, mm-hmm. they, they, they get onto that. If they identify mm-hmm. somebody as strong or somebody who's going to push back or is not going to, you know, do what they're told, then they, they know, they, they identify those people very quickly. Right. And I think that, well, I shouldn't say right like I'm agreeing. I'm saying right like that happens in life across the board. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. That's, that's how life works. Business, and, whatever. Yes. And every m- other members of the, the caucus, shame on them if they don't observe that and then step in and say, let me be the one to help you be more comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a responsibility of leadership, too. When, when you uh, were you a staffer before or no? No. So when you. Got in there. Have you, did you spend any time in Juno or? You know, I had been in Juno and been in the Capitol twice and it had been on my own time. Um, the legislature wasn't in session. I remember walking up and down the aisles on each, each one of the, the floors. I'd looked at the pictures on the wall. I looked at the history and I thought, wow, it'd be really great to, to be in be really great to work in here. Oh, you got your picture on the wall, Lieutenant Governor. Now my picture's on the you got, I never you made it. I made well. But when you so when you you were, did you have friends or legislators? Did you have some friends that were legislators? I mean, how did you, um, familiarize yourself or or, or, or start working? Um, once you got into the you know house, did you basically be part of the organization, was, or was it already kind of organized? And they said, "Oh, come on, you're Republican." Once I, when I when I got there, there wasn't that many new people that year, and so key positions had kind of already been decided because you know they they knew who each other was they were taking advantage of their expertise which is wonderful right so it's uh my my big thing was just being comfortable with the process and wanting to be a good contributing member and it, you know literally every minute is new and so you're just always kind of did, on did edge. you know somebody in the legislature do you have any friends or did somebody kind of take you under their wing and maybe no i show you the ropes? i went to well people in leadership really took me under the wing. And I don't, I don't want to say just one particular name, but you know, people were fantastic with answering questions and, uh, uh, all across the aisle everywhere. So it was just a lot of listen and learn. And yeah, I made some mistakes and stumbles and pick yourself up and go and, um, did a ton of reading and files. My nights used to be, I'd go home and I always rented one of those rooms where they had a little kitchenette thing in there. I, Oatmeal was my most. Did you stay at the Driftwood? No, I didn't stay at that's, the Driftwood. That's, that's where I stay. That's my. That's my. <laughs> Is that, that's my place? So the Baranoff used to be open, and they charged twenty five dollars a night for legislators for the session, and I I stayed there quite a few times. I stayed at the Capitol B and B a couple years, and that was really um, convenient when I was in a leadership position because I was able to get back and forth, you know, quicker. I, now you have that Lieutenant Governor House, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's right by the Capitol. It's kitty corner to the Capitol. You can wake up and be in, you know, Capitol in about 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm, I can be there right away. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a nice, I like that place. That wasn't there. Um, it was um, donated, right? I, my understanding it was donated. I think somebody donated because there was a, when at the end of last session, there was a little party for kind of a going away for Lieutenant Governor Meyer and we went over there, but then it was. Not sure what was happening, but there was still something going on in the legislature, like the Capitol. It was kind of oh. end of session, so people were over there, and then they kind of like rushed back. And they had to get back for a some vote budget or something. Thing or, yeah, it was like it was, but it was a, it was a good little good little little party they had there. Nice nice place. Well, I'm excited to see it. So you were you were there when John Harris was speaker, right? Yes, I was. Yeah, I'm big big. Fan. He's a lobbyist now, but mm-hmm. I'm a big big fan of him. He, he, he always 
He's given me some really good advice. One of the best pieces of advice he told me, and I think this applies to just in life, but especially in politics, um, never ask for too much. Because if you ask for too much, even if you're in a position to get it, people don't forget that. Right. They, they remember that, oh, this person took, got whatever they could get. You know, they took everything. And then down the road, when you need that person for something, maybe they, you know, they have a long memory. Right. It never pays off to be greedy or to take advantage of people. It just doesn't, it just doesn't ever pay off. Yeah, so Chanel was there, I guess, when you were there, yep. right? And Chanel John... was speaker. Harris was speaker. My first term, Pete Cott was a speaker. I guess the only one left with, when you were there was probably Bryce Edgman, right? Bryce was there, and so we've uh, we've known each other for what twenty two years now. And then the Senate, there's I guess Gary Stevens has been around for a while. Bert Stedman, yes. yes. Did you ever think about because there was a Senate seat? Oh, a couple times. Did you ever think about going for the Senate? Or I thought about it, and for whatever reason at the time, it just wasn't the thing. So, well, you were t- before you were two years. Now you got now you got the four year deal. Now there. I've got a four year deal. <laughs> yes. So the last thing I guess is, are you go, you're going down to Juno for that? You're going to be there the whole session, or do you back and forth? I'm going to be back and forth because I have responsibilities here too. But I will be in in Juno a lot. I'm looking forward to meeting with uh, members of the House and Senate frequently, and um, getting a chance to see where I, you know, I can help the governor on presenting information and different things to to them. Also, of course, the main body of Division of Election employees are in Juneau, so I'll you know be working with them a lot. So you you have the uh, elections. I guess you have the seal business, right? You know, if that seal goes galloping down the road, Jeff, dude, I'm on it. I've so. actually got a funny seal story. So <laughs> so when they say guard, I never understood. Like when I was younger, guard I never understood. I, I I actually used to think there's a physical you know seal. Like I used to really <laughs> it was very dumb, but basically you have to. People can't use the seal without permission, right? right. I mean, the actual official the seal. The official seal, they need they need permission. And, you know, our our seals, if you look at it, it's really busy. There's a lot of stuff lot going, on. going on. Yes. And the, everything has semblance of something or some region of this state. So it's all really important. So, so there was the, I guess, gala or whatever after the Dunleavy won in 2018. There was a, a big dinner thing over at the, the Nina, and I, I went to it, and there was was pretty packed and I stayed kind of till the end and then uh-huh. I was leaving with some people and I had had some some drinks and there was a huge seal like <laughs> about as almost as big as me did you walk out with it well so so <laughs> yes but listen so it was on a stand and it was a like a cardboard I yeah. mean it was so I, honestly I just thought oh they're gonna throw it in the garbage I'm gonna I'm, take I'm it I'm taking it so I, I, un- I unscrewed it <laughs> I had this big I mean it was I had a picture with it my you know I'm wearing a suit and I walk to the bars. I'm holding it with me all night, and then I I, I, I get to the I get in the cab. Barely fit in the cab. I mean, I was right. barely able. So then I, I took a cab home and I, I put it in the garage. And I I woke up and then I went in my garage and I said, "Oh shit!" I said, "I have this seal." Jesus, <laughs> I kind of forgot about it. And then I saw uh, that day Rebecca Logan, and the Alliance had put it on her Facebook. Like some some dummy, some 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 person. I'm not sure the word she agitated. Somebody stole the seal. <laughs> And if you know where it is, like we want it back. And I go, oh my God. I've got the seal. <laughs> so, so I messed her and I said, look, I, I know where the seal is. I can have it returned. One condition, no questions asked. And she agreed. And she goes, fine. So I took it over and she's, how did you get that? I told her. And then I, I actually did a little, I made myself the loose unit that week. I think I kind of remember yeah, that. But I, I had, and it was like, I don't know if it belonged to the, I don't even think it belonged to the state. I think it was, they made it for this the inaugural committee, the no- probably. And, and it was, apparently it was like 500 bucks. 
Well, maybe we'll see it again. So you got to watch this. You got to watch me. I know. For the seal. So there's elections, the seal. I think there's some other like notary stuff, but then also whatever the governor kind of gives right. you, right? So has he given have, have, has he given you anything else or is that going to be determined? It's to be determined. But, you know, heaven help, we don't have COVID or an earthquake or any of that other stuff because all those duties is to, to be determined. Cause, yeah, because Kevin got, be. he was doing a lot of um, tourism stuff. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even talk about that, but when you were corrections commissioner, COVID had a huge impact on, I mean, Oh That's a whole goodness. other podcast probably about. That's a whole other podcast. I'm just going to tell you, I cannot say enough good about the employees in Department of Corrections. They work so hard and long. And when now the whole world was shut down. I mean, Alaska's all shut down. Nobody's going anywhere. People were brought into corrections because public safety kept doing what they were mm-hmm. doing. We went through... Uh, Lots of work to keep everybody safe. Well, and I, I had done some reporting on this, but you, you guys had gotten, I think, the bad end of the stick on, on some of this because there was the courts were shut down. Right. And then people were, you know, in, in prison who weren't, you know, indicted or they, right. they weren't getting a trial. And um, you, know, you guys really can't say you can't refuse somebody. Right. So there was a big I mean, at one point there was a backup where something a huge number of percentage of people in jail hadn't been, you know, given any kind of trial or weren't you know indicted unindicted or maybe they were waiting for some hearing that right. you know should have taken normally a, a week or something it was months we had lots of challenges lots of challenges with that but uh when people would be really upset about it you knew it was i mean they were emotionally involved because their loved one or you know relative was there and they wanted the best for them. we tried to do a lot of educating on that but you know employees did get the brunt of a lot of it because they didn't understand where the court court's responsibility ended. Yeah, of it's, course, not, it's not it's not corrections right. problem. It's the it's the they were court del- and- from the courts. They were then delivered to division, you know, to to corrections with the paperwork. Here you are. You house them. You house them for this amount of time. And by the way, they're this type of a, you know, an inmate. So then the appropriate classifications are made, and you know, you go from there. But and it, as far as letting people leave early, there was a lot of voices that said you should let them out. Well. First of all, that wouldn't have been my decision as commissioner. It would have been the, the governor's mm-hmm. decision. But I feel confident he might have worked with um, the courts a little bit of understanding what their um, term was. That they well, had I think there was even an attempt. I mean, there was some attempt to, like, the state offered more space or more facilities with distancing. And, I mean, ho- hopefully, you know, there's no more pandemic. And, right. I mean, Dunleavy had a pretty, you know, he had the, the, the earthquake and then, you know, the fires... And then the pandemic, and then this, you know, this whole... And the, f- the flooding up in the, you know, western region with... This whole Putin, th- I mean, just, it's, right. been a, it's been a kind of a lot going... He's had a lot going on that other, you know, governors would probably shake I, their head out and say, I can't deal with it. I, I, I actually didn't mean to write this article, but I, I, I've referred to him as the black swan governor. Because he gets he gets a once in a hundred year, the COVID, right? That kind of halted the recall thing. And then, and then, and then Ann Zink was like the, the star... And then you had this Putin thing and, you know, the invasion of Europe in, you know, 70 years, and that shot the price of oil up. So right. these, these like, once in a kind of 100-year events, he had, he had two of them. You know, and you can't, you can't make this stuff up, can you? I mean, it, who would have thought? So I just pray that we move forward in the next four years. Smooth. And smoothly. S- smooth. Smooth <laughs> final four years. For everybody in Alaska. Wouldn't that be great? Would. Well, Lieutenant Governor Dahlstrom, thanks for coming in. We'll have you on again. Thank you. I would like that. And we'll see you in Juneau. Yep. Hearing about what? 
six weeks, not even five weeks. Oh, less than that for me, but I'll see you for the, there. For the, session, for the session to start. Right. So uh, great talking to you. Okay. We'll, have you on, we'll have you on again and uh, watch that seal, okay? Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm on it. Thanks. Okay. Folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one.